Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. I'm joined by G. Hey Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing? You know, the sun is shining. I have no complaints. Warriors won. Are you Wait, happy? Warriors Warriors Warriors? <laughs> no, I mean I'm fine with it. You guys have to realize I'm a Clipper fan. Like I, okay, I like I'm a, a I mean ball. they're so like they're with the exception of Draymond, they're so likable. I man. think they were likable their first run, and then after that, I'm like, okay, that's good. No, I mean in Jordan Poole, like you can't hate that kid after well, he got. So we do have to start there. <laughs> so Harani Buckets, who follows the league unlike anybody else, break this down for us. It was, I mean, if you didn't see the play, minute 15 seconds to go. Golden State's up by two. They had just missed a shot, but they grabbed the offensive rebound. So the shot clock resets. And at that point, you're thinking, let's get a quality shot. They pass it out. The first thing Jordan Poole does from like six feet beyond the three-point Curry standing next to him with his hands up, calling for the basketball. Clapping too, right? Clapping. Yeah. And like demanding for the ball. Yeah. And Poole shoots the deep three. He misses. And then Curry turns <laughs> around and takes out his mouthpiece and chucks it. It looked like into the stands, right? He chucked it pretty far and then immediately gets ejected from the game. And the funny thing was in the post game, so Poole hits the game winning shot. They win the game. In the post game interview, when uh, they're asking Poole about what had happened, he hadn't realized why Steph had done that yet. He thought it was, he's like, I, I didn't understand why Steph did it. It's oh, like, I oh, wait, yes on that. wait till you <laughs> see the replay, buddy. No, I, I actually think he didn't know because it was so, you know, in the moment, he was like, wait, he threw it. He must have been mad about something else. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get to the post game, and then that's when somebody had told him. Hey, by the way, the reason why Steph had done that was because <laughs> of, of you. So then when he got in the tunnel, he threw his mouthpiece towards Steph. No. To, like, yeah, yeah as a joke. joke. As a joke. Yeah. <laughs> but they hugged after. They hugged after, they right? Hugged yeah, after. They, but, yeah. It, but it is awkward to see in, yeah. in such a, in, you know, in a contentious moment on ESPN, everybody's watching that game. And to lose your cool like that, if you're Curry... Uh, we were talking about this before the show, but if that's a LeBron James, you're not hearing the end of it. Not for at least a month, a solid yeah, month. Yeah. of. Here, here's the thing, though, is that like that. And I'm not debating this whatsoever. I totally agree with you. And I, I said it before we started filming, like one's likable, one's not. Yeah. But um, when Curry did his postgame interview and talked about, you know, throwing his mouthpiece, which is disgusting, by the way, like, why would anybody do that? It's so gross. Um. But when he said that, he had like an air of humbleness that you just can't teach. I, I don't yeah. know. Like there was just something about him where you just, you're like, you know what? I can forgive that face. Versus I feel like, like LeBron's very unforgivable, my guy. Like, I, like I, I, that sounds horrible, but it's just, it, it, it is what it is for a lot of people. Yeah, the weird thing about that is just Curry's 
used to like like I'm Steph Curry. Just give me the ball. Like I mean, I've won all these championships. I've, I've done all these things. I mean, Jordan Poole. Like, what the heck are you doing? You know, it was a very very telling moment because obviously this game means a lot to Golden State. They don't like Memphis. Don't. The first thing Clay Thompson did at the podium when they won the championship <laughs> was to mention the Memphis Grizzlies. So this game means a lot. And obviously, coming off of the Draymond punch, it is telling that they have these moments, the vets surrounding Jordan Poole and yeah. his decisions. And by the way, last month, Poole had us when he was the main guy when the others were hurt, Poole was turning the ball over so much late in games, costing them games. Yeah. And the fan base was getting angry at him. And now, Curry, I, I still think Golden State is the best team in the West. But there is a lot more tension this year than I remember from their previous. You know, so runs. the qu- question is, can they flip the switch? You know, because clearly they have not played well this season. They they look like they're going to be a play-in team, which again they should win their play-in game. But you're putting yourself in a very precarious position where you're one and done. Uh, the interesting thing about this thing is the Grizzlies have not accomplished a thing. <laughs> They've not done a thing to be a rival to the Warriors. Now, the key to a, a rivalry, and I will always say this, is when you play a playoff series, and they have played one playoff series. And a play-in and game. A play and yeah. a play-in. So we are on the verge of this becoming a rivalry. I think that they, they, they need one more contentious playoff series. And also what helps is if the other team wins. I mean, if, if the Warriors and Grizzlies play again in the postseason and the Grizzlies win one, now we're talking about this going back and forth. At the end of the day, the Warriors are the team that have won all these championships, done all these things. And for whatever reason, the Warriors hate the fact. And by the way, the Grizzlies do this with a lot of teams. We saw that clip of LeBron basically just getting upset. Like last year, yeah. why are you guys talking? Yeah. Like they talk a lot of junk for a team that has not accomplished a single thing. Yeah. So I, your opinion on the rivalry is going to probably be the majority opinion. Yeah. I actually believe if you win a championship and the first thing you <laughs> yeah. think about is the Memphis Grizzlies, sure. I just think that there's a lot of mental capacity from Golden State standpoint, that they actually think about Memphis and they care about Memphis. Yeah, it's a one-sided rivalry, but I'm of the belief that it. I'll is tell a you why Clay does that. I, I think when you've accomplished what this team has done, ninety-nine percent of people in the league give the Warriors their flowers. They say they're they're the Warriors. They've yeah. won. You know, they had a seventy-three win season. They've won all these championships, X, Y, and Z. Like no one's going to discount them. But when you have this young team from from Memphis talk come, smack. Co- talk smack, like usually like a guy like LeBron, and no one I think said this prior to LeBron saying they're saying I'm washed, washed king. You know, like, you look that up, you're like, I-, I don't think anyone said that. You have to create stuff. Yeah. For the for the Warriors and for Clay Thompson, they didn't have to create it. It was in the form of the Grizzlies. And we've talked about this before. The first Grizzlies Warriors playoff game or game two or whatever, where I think the Warriors won and like Steph kind of like taps. Oh, that was great. Wait, tell that story because that was the moment like we've we've been here before. So the moment that I think you're referring to is the game had just ended. Morant and Jaron Jackson are standing underneath the basket and Curry comes up to them and he just pats them on the back and says, yeah, boys, get ready, get ready. And he has this maniacal laugh going on. It's like, dude, that was just like, how, are, how is your heart not still beating? It's like, no, he's completely stoic. 
and it just it. But here, here's the other thing: on Christmas Day, when you have Clay yelling on top of Dylan Brooks, like those moments to me are what define a rivalry. Yes, yeah. it's one sided, and I agree that at some point to make it a continuous rivalry, the other team has to win. But I still think that the bad blood between them is, an, at least for me, I don't know about you, Jihei, but that's enough for me to make it a rivalry. Yeah, I feel like this is this rivalry comes out of a sense of motivation for both teams, right? Yeah. Throughout, like to motivate them throughout the season to be like, look, like we're not like, you know, we beat them during the playoffs, we beat them, you know, in the play, and like let's continue this this yeah. gravy train going. But it's interesting that the fact that they live rent free in the Warriors' head is oh, yeah. pretty crazy to me. But you know what? It, I, I take it back. I don't know if the opposing team needs to win. I, I go back to one of my favorite, you know, it was the Kings and the Lakers. It True. was Sacramento, Los Angeles, Shaq saying, we're, you know, Los Angeles is the capital of California. And he called them the Sacramento Queens, which, by the way, <laughs> now fast forward, Shaq, I don't know if he sold his piece, but he bought a piece of the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> so listen, the Kings never beat the Lakers, but that was a great back and forth. And technically, the Grizzlies eliminated the Warriors in the playing so, tournament. So, you know what? I okay, I think they are maybe one more playoff series. I, I kind of once that, like, but before game one, I will say this is a rivalry. It's very close. And it's technically close. also, the Grizzlies have beat with everybody in the West after it Morant's is. comments yeah. about, I'm fine in the West. That rubbed everybody the wrong way. So everybody kind of has it in for Memphis. So it's hard. I don't know how you gauge that, but yeah, it, every team that faces them now, you can tell that there's a little bit extra in their tank. Well, because it's like, what have you done? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like, you know, you want to praise John Morant, uh, but even with the whole Shannon Sharp thing again, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. just saying like, they rub people the wrong way. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting thing there. Um Speaking of Shannon Sharp, speaking of the Lakers, we do have to begin there. Listen, I know it was the Spurs. I totally agree that, 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 that this was not a season-defining game. But for the health of the Lakers, they get Anthony Davis back. Big key there. They get Rui Hachimura making his debut. Um, again, it's the Spurs. They had to come back and win. They did win. That's a positive thing. Your thoughts on that game last night? I mean... The fact that Rui looks so comfortable, we know what L.A. and the bright lights can do to people. It takes a little bit to get acclimated. Didn't look like it's taking him much time at all. He looks yeah. comfortable. He looks poised. He's hitting shots. He's making plays in the fourth quarter. And then A.D., the one thing I will say about Davis, and I, thankfully it doesn't seem like it's serious, but the injury that he had was to that right foot, yeah. that stress injury. And then, of course, with you know just sheer bad luck, he rolls an ankle on his right on foot. On a ridiculous play, right? I mean, it's like, I'm not saying, like, don't shoot the ball again. They got three free, three free throws out of it. But it was like a last-second heave yeah. at the end of the third quarter. And you're like, is this how he's going to get hurt again? So I think that with Davis, he has such a, a determination to prove people wrong and show that I'm not injury prone, but you know, <laughs> My that, name ankle, straight close. Yeah. But yeah. that ankle did turn pretty far. And I just, I, I wonder how that's going to affect him now going forward. And you mentioned it before the show, but they're in Boston on Saturday, yeah. ABC game, prime time. And Classic. this is when, you know, I think they said that Davis is going to continue to come off the bench for about a week or so as he gets acclimated. Yeah. What's the, I, I don't get, that I, I get a time restriction, but him coming off the bench, it doesn't really make a whole I think they want to put as little pressure on him to get ready as possible because 
you know, they're playing good basketball, that yeah. starting unit. Um, not great basketball, but good basketball. And we don't want to put additional pressure on Davis to feel like he has this burden to play at an MVP level right away. Get healthy, trust your body again, and then when you're ready, you go right back into your old role and you're Anthony Davis again. But and I would, now, ass- I would assume that they don't want to also mess with a cipher, kind of, right? Like At this current moment in time, obviously later on in, in the season, as he gets acclimated, as AD gets acclimated, they will, you know, bring him back into the rotation and make him into the starting five. But as of now, it's really, it's a good spot for him to be. I think Yeah, we keep talking also about what the Lakers might do at the trade deadline. And the thing is talk about a shooter or getting another big man or, or a wing, the defense again, who is going to guard Stephen Curry in a possible play in matchup or a playoff round, John Morant, uh, Devin Booker. And you know, Pat, Pat Bev is playing better. He he is playing better, and we have to acknowledge that. And no matter who they trade for, I still think their best option at that defensive player is Pat Bev. And he hasn't lived up to it this no. season. But if you're going to – let's say they trade for Bogdanovich, right? Bogdanovich is probably not guarding Devin Booker in, in a yeah. round one. Who is guarding Devin Booker? It's Patrick yeah. Beverly. It's Pat Bev. It has to be Pat Bev. But don't you think that, I mean, you guys have given him a lot of, and I think just everybody in general, it's understandable the way that he's played. The beginning of the season, he's, you know, not living up to the hype, so to speak. But come towards playoff time and come towards, like, you know, when it's nitty-gritty and you really need him, yeah. he will be there for you, yeah. right? So I think that, like, just like the Warriors turned it on last night, I think that Patrick Bev is going to turn it on come, you know, I think so. Well, I would hope so. And by the way, you know, when he came here, he was saying, you know, he would be the difference between taking this team from <laughs> not a playoff team to, to, to the conference finals. Again, I, I don't think that that's going to happen. But listen, I mean, maybe he is that kind of, of a player. The end of the season, come postseason time, he takes it up a notch. Uh, we'll see if that happens. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing about... The Lakers. So I, I I reread Rob Palinka's quotes from his press conference, and here's what I think Rob Palinka meant: um, He will swing for the fences. He will trade those two future first and whatever he has to, if it's for a player that's going to make them a championship team. And who who would that be? I'm not sure. I I, I think what he's not going to do is do that trade for a player who is not going to take them past the first round or, 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 or not put them in a position. So again, it's not about who Las Vegas likes or who would be the, the top the top team. But if, if there's a trade out there to be made that he believes and that the team believes can take them from where they are now to a potential championship team, they will make that trade. But that's so much up to interpretation because 100%. early in the season, Davis is playing at an MVP level and LeBron was struggling with his three pointer and all those kinds of things. And then Davis goes down and now LeBron is playing at like a top five player in the world level. So when you combine those two, you could look at it and say, we don't need much more to be a championship level team, but that's where Rob's determination and how he views the roster is so important because if Davis is playing at an MVP level and LeBron's playing like this, I mean, I, you, you don't need much more, in my opinion, to sure. be a title contender. But if Rob is thinking, oh, we're still really far away, then yeah, then, then that trade might not exist. But I know that there is a divide right now between a lot of Lakers fans and media. They're, they look at it, LeBron's putting in his best, yeah. and it's just, 
what does Rob think? Does he think that you know those two alone plus an additional Bogdanovich piece is enough? Yeah. It might be. Yeah. It might be. You what you can't do though. You can't just watch LeBron at this stage no. of his career and allow the season to just go by and stand pat. I, I really don't think you can. So have we already discussed this, but who are they giving up if they do eventually get Bogdanovich? That's the question right there, because yeah. we just mentioned the pat would you piece give of it, right? You have to match salaries. So right. the salaries that you're looking at are Westbrook is 47 mil, Pat Bev is 13, and Lonnie Walker is around 6-7 mil. So Bogdanovich, for example, is a $20 million player. So you're looking at Pat Bev and maybe, you know, you don't want to give up Lonnie and Pat Bev, Pat Bev and maybe a Damian Jones or something like that. But again, is that you're subtracting your best defensive player then in come theory, post-season come time. postseason yeah. time. And listen, when you're when you're playing anybody in the playoffs, if the opposing team's best player is a guard or a wing and if they're like, oh, I can do whatever I want. You're kind of screwed. Yeah. You're kind of screwed because that guy's like, if it's a Chris Paul, he's just going to look and say, I'm going to get to that spot. Nobody on this team can stop me. I'm going to pull up and I'm going to hit that shot every time I want. And you need somebody to be able to counteract that. I want to point out, though, 19-year-old Max Christie shooting him. catch and shoot now. He's 40, 41% on the season catch yeah. and shoot threes. And he's probably their second best defensive player, at least guarding wings. Um, you know, Davis can hide a lot of these things, but he can't hide everything. You have to be able to stop guys one-on-one. And again, if you're like you mentioned, G. Hey, if you're going to make a trade and you give up Beverly, that's a, that's some sort of loss, even if he's been playing poorly. I mean, that's some sort of loss just in the postseason. I would, I would assume like, I, I just, I see Pat Bev as being your best defensive postseason opportunity yeah. right now. And with that's those- what we're thinking, by the way. And I believe it. Two, I'm hopeful, but we, we we really have not seen the Pat Bev I thought we would see this season. So now we're hopeful that he can do that consistently come postseason time. We don't know that. Can Austin Reeves do that? Potentially. Can Lonnie yeah. Walker? Um, yeah. I mean, again, I'll, we don't know that. These guys but, have not been defensive. Yeah. And, we've, guys. and we have actually seen, Pat you Bev. know, Pat Bev do we this. Have, we have. So, and I, I think having him... Be that guy again. He was so key when the Clippers lost Kawhi and they go on to, to the conference finals. Yes, it was Paul George. Yes, it was Terrence Mann. But, you know, Pat Bev was really the, the heart and soul of that team. What changes things for the Lakers for me is the way LeBron's playing. At this point in his career, we knew he'd be good. I don't think we thought he'd be doing this at this point. And I don't know if it's tied to the, the fact that he's close to passing Kareem. But I think the way LeBron is playing, changes how I view this team. I do want to go all in on this team because I don't know when LeBron's going to hit a wall. Again, he should have hit a wall years ago. When you just look at, historically speaking, no one in their 20th season has done what he's done. But the fact that he is doing it, and he's doing it consistently, this is the type of team that that I'm thinking, like, I don't know how much longer we have this, but while we have this window, we have to go all in. What trade that that is, I'm not sure, but I'm not kicking the can down the road. And we should also mention, and we have mentioned this before, the four seed in the West right now is the Pelicans, right? They've lost six in a row. Zion is not healthy still. He's not coming back anytime soon. Ingram just came back and last night, and he was four for 18, so that's going to take a while. Sacramento's in third, and I don't think anybody's really... 
Brandon mentioned this yesterday and then again in our group chat, but nobody's really intimidated by no. Sacramento yet. Yeah. Um, and I don't he, think that they will be. I yeah. Mean, just because there's, there's no proof of concept. There's no frame of reference like, oh my God, like that team's for real. Intimidated, no, and I a thousand percent agree with what you just said, but that building in the playoffs is going to be a torture chamber. <laughs> like I mean, yeah. <laughs> and then you have Memphis who, you know, they've I'm fine in the West. The Lakers just beat them last week. No. Out of those top four, only Denver is the one that has looked formidable consistently. Mm-hmm. But if you're the Lakers, you have to be just licking your chops, oh, thinking yeah. about the possibility of just, you know, if we if we meet Memphis round one, if you're LeBron, you're thinking, we got this. If the Clippers and Warriors were playing like I thought they that they would at the beginning of the season, I'm not sure if I'd go all in. Because I'm like, well, it's the Warriors, the, the, the champions. We know what they could do. It's the Clippers with Kawhi, Paul George. The West not only is wide open, the top four, we've never seen them do anything. The top four teams in the West have never been to the finals. So there's not that fear of, oh my God, it's the Denver Nuggets, it's the New Orleans Pelicans, it's the Memphis Grizzlies, it's the Sacramento Kings. I'm like, no one's afraid of them. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by our good friend Nick Hamilton. When we come back right here on the Mighty Air 1090 of Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN Radio. nothing more valuable it's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline right now and join our good friend Nick Hamilton. Nick, how are you? Doing good, lady and gentlemen. How y'all doing? Good. Uh, Nick, are you back in Los Angeles? Are you still living it up in Park City, Utah? Nah, I've been back for a couple of days now, man. So it was a good experience. I can't complain. A lot of good, a lot of good uh, films that are coming down the way. Um, if they can get financed and get pushed, I think we may have another good uh Awesome. Well, um, we do have to start here because we forgot to bring it up in the first segment. Um, this is three years since the passing of Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, seven others. Still not real when I think about it, and and, and I just um, it's hard to believe, Nick. Um, you know, I when I think back to that day, I, I thought back to my first con- my last conversation with Kobe, which happened uh, prior to the beginning of that season. Um, you know, he talked about 
you know, really wanting to focus on being a father, being a husband, doing what he was doing post career, you know, because I, 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 I talked to him about why don't you come to, to more games, you know, and to watch this team play. And he's like, listen, I, I played 20 years. You know, he had no aspirations for being a GM or a coach or something along those lines. And he, he really, I think Gianna really brought him back into the game because he was content putting that behind him, being a producer, a director, and things like that. Nick, when I when you think back to um, to Kobe and the life that he led, uh, what did Kobe mean to you? I think Kobe just met the fact of just being a real human being. I mean, not being afraid to show your flaws, not being afraid to be a human being. And I think he learned a valuable lesson, you know, when we first arrived in Los Angeles. I mean, we've adopted him as the as the son, you know, of LA because even though he was, you know, raised in Philly, born in Philly or whatever, and he went around the world, we watched before our very eyes in Los Angeles, like you said, for twenty years. And so I think, you know, I remember just like a week before his passing, man, I saw him at an event. We would, he was giving me, you know, as he, as he would do from time to time, give me crap <laughs> and, um, you know, just kind of see him happy and vibrant and, you know, really, when he really had a, had a heart for kids, especially when it came to basketball and soccer. You know, I think he wanted to create more soccer clinics for kids um, in the inner cities as well. Um, because that was where his heart, you know, was in addition to the entertainment side for the WNBA. Um, you, you know, he was the reason. I don't know if we lost Nick or just quickly froze. Um, Nick, can you hear us? Um, yeah, I think we, I, yeah. I think he's a little So Jihei is going to so put I'll, her I'll producer be... <laughs> hat on momentarily, <laughs> and we'll try to figure that out. Again, trying to get the video sorted out here. Um, but again, I, I wore this sweatshirt because of Gianna. Brian, Jihei, if we could make it full screen real, real, real quick while we uh, figure out what's happening with Nick, and hopefully we can get him back on. But you coach youths youth game and i really think kobe took so much joy and passion uh again i I think there was a lot of people who wondered is he going to be a tv commentator is he going to be a coach of a team a president a gm or something and i said no like listen he had an amazing career and he was done with the game from that standpoint but i think gianna's passion for the game and her love of the game really brought him back into the game where he became this this coach to touch on what that means to you again, you you love this game so much, but Kobe took so much joy teaching young, not just Gianna, but young girls about the game. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think that was going to be his legacy. Actually, yeah. was his love and passion, the Mamba Academy, yeah. all the things that he did post career to instill confidence in the youth. And you know, you scroll on social media now and you still you I always see it in my feed, a Kobe motivational talk, yeah. a Kobe motivational something. And it always works for me. Personally, it always works because that man, his wisdom was truly what I remember him for, his his life lessons and the mantras that he kind of went by. And I know that for a lot of the youth that, you know, they they didn't really get a chance to see prime Kobe mm-hmm. on the court. But the the lore, the myth, the legend uh, will always live on. And that's what I wanted to ask you about, actually, was single-handedly, what was your favorite Kobe moment It's on the court? Interesting. Well, because on the court, it was, I mean, there was so many. But again, this was not his 
the best game. But I, I, I think back to the first championship that he won without Shaq. And it really meant a lot to him. The first championship he won post-Shaq was 2009 against Orlando. And it just, um, you could see the look on his face. And when he looked at Phil, and there's this, this, this moment where they clinched the title, and he just looks at Phil, and Phil looks at him, and they they, they know what this meant. Because Kobe winning those first three titles, and you, by the way, you look at the statistical numbers of Kobe in the postseason, like anyone who wants to pretend like Kobe was, you know, second fiddle is crazy. I mean, Kobe was not only one of the best players in the world at that time, he was next level in the postseason, but that title in particular, and I covered that team, and what I'll never still wearing his uniform, like everyone's changed, like everyone's wearing their, you know, jeans or suit or whatnot, Kobe is still wearing his champagne-soaked championship <laughs> t-shirt on top of his jersey, still got the armband, still got his uh, shorts and his sneakers, and he's with his two girls, and he's with Vanessa, and the significance for that championship was not just his first title post-Shaq, it was his first title with his two girls. Oh. And so it really meant a lot. And then you fast forward the, the next year, it really meant a lot for him to beat the Celtics because it really took a lot out of him to lose to the Celtics, you know? And so um, it was one of those things where I really think um, – yeah, it was it was just he really wanted to win those two championships post Shaq. And then you go to the press conference. They said, What does this mean? I got one more than Shaq. Let's <laughs> bring back uh Nick Hamilton. Nick, we are remembering uh Kobe Bryant on the year mark of his passing. Um Nick, just his significance to, to, to the game as well. I mean, I, I've been amazed over the years to talk to the number of young players in sports, not just not just basketball, but by the way, who look up to Kobe, who said, you know, like Kobe contacted me after like a big game or he texted me. Uh, if you if you can kind of talk about the significance Kobe had on players around the league. Well, I think Kobe just loved the game so much that he wanted to see the game continue to grow. I think he saw his mortality, as it were, when it came to, as you mentioned earlier, 20 years in the game, um, coming to an end. And I think Kobe just wanted to do the things that he learned maybe from Michael Jordan. Um, you know, maybe Magic may have, you know, advised him at some point. And he wanted to be able to pay that forward. And I think that's what made the game, the game grow so much. When you look at the Kyrie Irvins of the world, the Steph Currys, the Giannis, and, and, and you know, even LeBron, for that matter, um, to be able to reach out to those guys and, you know, James Harden and, you know, countless others. And as I said before, you know, just even with the WNBA, being able to bring awareness to that league and, you know, people to, to support those ladies along with other NBA players on a consistent basis. I mean, you know, looking at just the sweatshirt, that wasn't the league that promoted that orange sweatshirt. That was Kobe Bryant at a yeah. Laker game front row with his lovely daughter, Gianna, God rest her soul. Um, so I think overall, I think, like I said before, I think he's just a great ambassador for the game of basketball. And, it, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's truly appalling to me when people have these comparisons between who's the GOAT, Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Are we just going to really skip over the greatness of Kobe Bryant? Are we really going to ignore the greatness of Kobe Bryant and what he brought to the league? And not only that, uh, uh, the, tree, the, the, the fruit that bears from that tree of Kobe Bryant as we watch in real time. To me, I've always said Michael Jordan will always be the GOAT to hell with LeBron. But I'm saying in 
that aspect, I think Michael Jordan will always be the GOAT, but I have always had Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and then LeBron James. And LeBron James was great, no, no question. But it is, it's a travesty to skip over and ignore the, the accomplishments and the greatness of Kobe Bryant. Uh, if Kobe Bryant is not in your top five, I can't trust you. I can't trust your analysis. I can't trust your, your expertise because that is absolutely asinine. Uh, to ignore the greatness of Kobe Bryant, and he had, like I said, a legend or an icon is represented by the fruit that it bears, and we are seeing that in real time, as I said, even in the NBA as well as the WNBA. My question to everybody is, we obviously know that the game has changed a lot since Kobe retired um, in terms of floor spacing and stuff. What what do you think he would have averaged starting with you, Nick, today in today's game if he played with today's floor spacing? God only knows. I mean, this is a guy that this is a guy that, that still scored eighty one points and nobody's come close. I think Donovan Mitchell dropped seventy one, but he also has. I mean, we've seen that before. David Robinson dropped seventy one against the Clippers during his tenure. Um, not to make any light of, of Donovan Mitchell's accomplishments, but this is eighty one points. <laughs> this is a guy that had to play the majority units of the game to even get a W. He wasn't just out there just shooting. He was out there just getting majority of the minutes because um, he wanted his team to win. He had to play like that. Um, this is a guy that got dropped 62 and three quarters and was forced to sit down in the fourth quarter. Um, 50, 40 plus games, you know, a streak is over. So I, I mean, who knows what Kobe would been able to do in his prime in this day and age. Maybe, maybe we probably would have seen a, a LeBron versus Kobe uh, final for you know competitive uh, playoff entry. Who knows? Yeah, but I mean, we we always got to make it unfortunately. Nick, we are having some technical problems on our side, so we're going to uh, thank you, and we are going to see you very soon, my friend. We'll, we'll have you back on at the beginning of next week, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll continue this conversation about Kobe Bryant and the amazing career that he had. It's really remarkable. Again, when he passed away, I had just landed in South Beach for the Super Bowl. It was San Francisco against the Chiefs. Again, a Super Bowl we get again. And so my assignment at that point was try to figure out, you know, Kobe's connection to, to this game. And I was really not feeling it. I, I said I, I'd really like to go back home at this point because I, I don't feel like I, I want to cover the Super Bowl. And it was incredible to me from all the players, whether they had connected with Kobe in some way, whether they had texted him, whether he had texted them. The connection he had with these players, and then you, you you find out his connection to, you know, football players, hockey players, soccer players. I mean, you go down the list of players who just gravitated towards him. I wasn't, I was amazed, and, and, and so, um, and again, when he passed, the impact that that had on people who were not Lakers fans, who were not Kobe fans, who were not sports fans, and I think a part of it has to do with the fact, Jihei, that we knew him from the beginning of his life, really, his career. I mean, when yeah. he got drafted by the Lakers, he was a teenager. He was 17. He needed his parents' supervision to sign the contract, and so when you have that kind of a connection with someone, at the beginning of the World Wide Web, right? You know, So like, it didn't matter where you were, you felt somehow connected to this guy, whether you were a fan or not, whether you knew him, you you had heard of Kobe, right? 
Um, yeah. Well, I mean, and he also wasn't he the first. Um, I mean, really, like major soups. I mean, like I'm not taking anything away from Michael Jordan or anything like that, but at least of our generation, you know, we we our generation literally grew up with him. Yeah. Like we were all the same age, so yeah. you can kind of see this guy grow up, and you were the same age as this person, and um, yeah. and also he was the first player to go international, right? He was. He really made it a point, you know, to go to China, to go to Japan, to really broaden his... And by, by the way, because of his name, that made sense mm -hmm. too, right? Well, and also, not only because of his name, but he's the first American that speaks multiple languages. I was always amazed at these press conferences. Yeah. Spanish, yeah. Italian. I mean, he would know. talk crap on the court yeah. in other people's <laughs> languages. Like, it's it, this isn't something that you naturally hear, right? I mean, you you see him, you know, on the sidelines, you know, talk, talking mess as well yeah. and saying, like, you know, talking to international players from the sideline as well before his passing. So it was just, he was the first to really truly be an international player. I mean, yeah, yeah you have the dream team and all that but they didn't they didn't go to italy and say like yes have interviews just in italian they didn't go to spain and, and mexico and be like i'm just in spanish radio and mexican radio exactly. and be like i'm just gonna speak your language like the kobe did that i mean he definitely and he was always trying to learn not only on the court but off the court as well right he was trying to do he was expanding his brand so to speak right exactly you know i mean he really made it a point you know once their season was done to actually travel around the world uh, again he wanted to grow his brand but he was talking about um you know listen i i've i've traveled the world you know and i've lived across the world uh, uh for us ga though we grew up with the showtime lakers for yeah. you this was your beginning right like you yeah. grew up with kobe <clears throat> what do you what what was your first time that you remember kobe bryant the first time i remember kobe bryant was my disdain for the lakers i did not <laughs> like the lakers because they were to me the big bad evil empire because coming from a different perspective from illinois and then moving to los angeles yeah. it was like man these guys get so much attention why is that <laughs> and then i remember watching the king series and him going back and forth with sacramento and yeah. mike bibby and chris weber and just no matter how much I didn't want them to win. I respected them because Kobe yeah. and Shaq and all those guys had this, had literally the Mamba mentality. You could sense it even as an opposition. And Nick was mentioning it, the top five of all time. To me, you can't quantify that killer instinct. And his killer instinct, again, I didn't see MJ. That was the greatest killer instinct I have personally ever seen in sport. Uh, Not, I feel like if you saw MJ, you would have <laughs> well, to compare yeah. the two. Yeah, but there's, uh, but there's great comparisons, though. Yes. You know, and, and and so I think it's a it's um, high praise, obviously, to Kobe that people. I mean, really, people made that comparison at the beginning of their careers, and I love the fact that we really didn't know this at the time how close they were. I mean, I yeah. have never seen Jordan get as emotional as he did yeah. when talking about Kobe and how he would text him late at night and call him for advice and, and bother him all the but bothered time. him and really Jordan I mean it, it was hilarious because listen I mean listen Kobe as I talked about before did not really sleep so I could totally imagine him texting Jordan or calling at him like three in the morning three or in something. the morning um you know gee a part of this uh, that we touch on is the passing of Gigi and what she meant to the game. And because of Gigi, Kobe would sit courtside at WNBA games, Sparks games. Um, you played the game. Your mom, you know, played and she's courtside for you. 
talk about that as well. I mean, Kobe championed that sport so much. I mean, not only championed that sport, but championed the future of yeah. that sport, right? He was his, he was her coach on yeah. the side, you know, pumping her up and telling and teaching her. And that's something that I'm very blessed that I had my mom for that. You know, we would definitely have some sideline. Um, this is what you did wrong. This is what you did great kind of moments. Um and Gianna is smart enough to take her father's advice and yeah. just learn and really truly be a student of the game. I mean, what could have been, I right? Know. I mean, if you think about just it, because what, of that name and yeah. Kobe being a part of that and, you know, it, it just, it would have meant so much to the college game, to the pro game. And it was amazing. Cause I talked to him about this. There, there were these highlights beginning to come out of Gigi playing the game and they would put a side by side with Kobe and the way that she would like, bite her lip or bite her jersey i mean did you see her fade away too it's insane like genetics are a real thing man (laughs) like he would see himself in her yeah no definitely i mean if you looked at her game i mean and what was she she was only 13 yeah so i mean she'd be graduating high school right now probably right and probably going to uconn and resurrecting that program yeah i mean you know because he uh, uh, listen kobe wanted her to stay close to home but she loved uconn you know she got yeah what was your favorite laker kobe team what you know, season? I really did love that Pau, Kobe, Lamar team. Yeah, yeah and I, I kind of liked it well, because I became closer with that team. I watched the Kobe Shaq years from afar. Kobe, Pau, Lamar, I mean, I'm actually close with those guys. Sasha. Sasha. Well, and that was his team. That though, was his too, team. And so, so when you look around it, and there's some people who don't know the, the game right now who see a team picture and they're like, look, look at who Kobe won with. That was a team where, like, everyone got their roles. Pau Gasol at that point was a top 10 player in the league. Lamar was incredible. Um, the bench. Was- the bench got it, but they, but they got their roles. And Phil did such an amazing job yeah. with that team. It was just a fun group to be around. And like I said, like, I was around them to the point that I was staying at the team hotel 2009 when they won the championship back at the team hotel post that that, that title. And it just really meant so much to Kobe. So, on the three-year mark of his passing, it's just, again, surreal. doesn't seem real, but we remember his life and what he meant. Uh, with that said, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend, now a ghost in the dark. Hard part about it, brother got smoked by a fiend. Trying to floss on him, blind to a broken man's dream. A hard lesson, court cases keep him guessing. Leave bargain ain't an option now, so I'm stressing. Cause we're more to be free than a life in the bin. Making money off of cuss words, writing again. Learn how to think ahead, so I fight with my pen. Late night down sunset, like in the sin. What's the worst they can do to a player? Got me lost in hell to live and die in LA on bail. My people say, to live and die in LA. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube.